turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, as we're going through the book, Ecclesiastes verse by verse. Question tonight is, how to sleep in peace? How to sleep in peace? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8, as we're reading through this, this most interesting book. Verse 8, it says, If thou oppressest, thou seest the oppression of the poor and the violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there very higher than they. Moreover, the profit of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. He that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. When the goods increase, they increase, they eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with the eyes? The sleep of the labor man is sweet. Whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Father, we just pray that you'd be with us again tonight. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word and these moments we have together this evening. Father, may we learn some things, some truths that will help us, would encourage us in our own uh, Christian walk, our faith in you. Lord, bless tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what not too long ago, I was watching, I think I was watching a film or something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember, you know, sometimes you watch a film and you're watching it on um, like a, like a, 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 you know, different like service like Hulu or, or Netflix or something. And uh, you, if you don't pay for the whole thing, you'll get commercials. And you always love commercials. And, you know, and it seems like when you, when you, wear, you watch something, I don't even remember, I think I was watching a documentary maybe. And you see the same commercials over and over and over and over. And uh, I remember... Uh, I was reading about at the time when we're looking at this, when you we were watching this and you're seeing this same commercial. And it was a, a pillow commercial, a pillow commercial. Now there was a the My Pillow guy. You, ever, you see, you know who the My Pillow guy is. <laughs> I mean, it just kept being the same commercial, and he he has this way of saying things, and he was just it was just I don't ever want to see this commercial again because it just kept you know being re- repetitive, but. You know, people struggle with sleep. So he's, I mean, he sold millions and millions of millions because he, he says that this is the best pillow ever. Now, I don't have one. I, I don't have one of these pillows. But if you look at his website, he has all kinds of stuff. He has mattresses. He has sheets. He even has sandals. He even has coffee. But he seems like a pretty conservative guy. Um, uh, Mike Lindell, I think his name is. And he a- actually has a book. I think it... I think the title of the book was uh, uh, um, something about how beating the odds going from being a crack addict to a CEO. Wow. So that was that's pretty impressive. So anyways, it was interesting that I kept looking at this commercial. Then I thought thinking about this. And, uh, of course, we all know how much sleep a person needs every night, right? Just one hour more just one hour more. Now, if you didn't get that, you can see me after church tonight, and I'll try to help you with that. But uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but growing up and having kids, uh, the toughest thing was getting them to sleep. That was probably one of the most interesting things because, you know, every, every, some people, some of the kids like to fall asleep, some don't. Then one of them would come out, put them back to sleep, 
then, then do it again. Then you have to play the Patch the Pirate song, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Rachel, Patch the Pirate. Do the Patch the Pirate for them. You know, let them hear that music. And then, you know, you play that. Then, you you know, then sometimes you'd have to take them. Oh, I want something water. I want something to drink. Then I want something to eat. And you have to go through that ritual over and over and over and over and over and over. Uh, but interesting enough, a survey recently was given the United States, France, and Taiwan rank among the top three most sleep-deprived nations in the world. Their study said that nearly 70% of sleep-deprived individuals can't sleep because they're anxious or troubled or worried in one way or another regarding some issues related typically to finance. Other areas were job security, retirement savings, investing accounts, debt, Incomes levels, bills coming due, possible losses on Wall Street, and corporate changes that might affect their job, looning college bills, needing some home repairs, and on and on. Well, Solomon, in his journal that was, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about some of the issues that may keep us up at night. And so the question is, what robs, what rob, what does Solomon say robs us of sleep? Well, first of all, first of all, what keeps us up at night is the impression of the poor and injustice. The impression of the poor or injustice. Uh, he's talking about here in verse 8. He says, If thou seest the oppression of the poor and the violent perverting of, just, of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and, there's, and then there be a higher than they. He's talking about basically the person who's... Uh, the, the, poor, the poor person, the person who's having, who's having to do everything he can, scrape by, just, just trying to survive, just you know, working, day labor, just trying to make it, you know, just trying to get through every day. This is the type of person he's, he's talking about. And he's saying sometimes in life those people go through difficulty. They go through hardship because they don't, they don't have a whole lot. And because they don't have a whole lot, Man, anything, the weather, the weather, something happens to the weather, they're out a day of work. You know what that's like, brother. You can't pour concrete, maybe, because of rain. Or something happens. Labors don't show up like they said they're going to show up. I'm sure you've never had that happen either, brother. You know, something, don't, something doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out, and you're, ha you're having to change your schedule. And every, every change affects his flow of money. So he's constantly having to trust you know, in, in the weather or in somebody else, another person, so that he'll have money, so he'll have uh, the, the finances to pay his bills, to take care of his family. So he's, he's saying sometimes in situations like that, there's, there's oppression. And, you know, thinking about that, when people go through difficulty and they don't, you know, it can, it can, it can cause you to stay up at night, especially if you know that person, especially if you're related to that person, especially if you are that person. <laughs> and you're going through that. It keep you, how, how am I going to feed my family? The bills do. Uh, if you're alive and you're an adult, you've probably been there. You've probably been there. Well, you, 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 you've been caught in a situation where you got a bill due and you don't have the money to pay it. You've been there? Maybe you've not been there in a long time, but I've, I remember being there several times, especially in my youth. And thinking, God, how are we going to provide this? I remember one time I had to decide between paying my tithe and paying the rent. It was just simply that, that decision. Am I going to pay my tithe or am I going to pay my rent? And you might be there today. By the grace of God, I can say I chose to pay my tithe. And my rent, as I, I may have shared this before, my rent was forgiven that month. 
And I didn't have to pay it to the following month. God answered, God answered a prayer. But maybe that's in your situation. The verb here that talks about being startled or being amazed is the idea of being fearful or being bewildered. He said, don't, 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 get, don't, be, don't be afraid. Don't, don't get caught up in it. It may not, it may not seem right, and it, it, it may not be right. The word translated violation comes from the Hebrew word gazelle, pronounced gazeel, which actually refers to robbery or plunder. The man is being robbed of his land or his goods, or he's being robbed of, of just verdict in court. So he's not being treated right. He's being oppressed, even though he's working hard, even though he's trying to do it. It's one thing for somebody to go through issues because they're not even trying. We, all, we expect that, right? When someone's not trying to work, when someone who's basically you know, saying, well, I'm not even going to try, and they're going through hardship, they're going through difficulty, that's almost expected because the, even the Bible says, if a, man doesn't, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. But a person who's trying, who's working, and then he goes through a difficult time. You know, he may be on the job site, something happens, and he, 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 hits, he backs into somebody, and it's the wrong person to back into, and he loses his car, and he loses his car, and now he doesn't have a vehicle to go work. You're like, man, he can't ever, we think to ourselves, he can't catch a break. And we, it, it bothers us. It, it frustrates us. Maybe it keeps us up at night when that kind of stuff happens. He says, don't be amazed. Don't be amazed when that stuff happens. Marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. He says there's people in authority in life, and they see the things that are, that are going. Sometimes they allow things to happen, but ultimately there's somebody higher than them. Now, of course, the highest person is God. And that, that's something to, to be thankful for. Is there injustices that go on in the world? Well, obviously. I was watching just, I was a home alone the last two nights. My wife was gone. My son was gone. So I was just flipping through the channels, and nobody told me not to stop. In a home, they call me Mr. Flippity Flippity. But when nobody's home, I just flip through, flip, flip, flip. You know, I was flipping through, and I stopped at a news channel. And interesting enough, they had this, they had this you know, gay pride. It was somewhere in in uh, Pennsylvania, I think Reading, Pennsylvania. And there were a group of people celebrating Gay Pride Day. And a preacher came up, and he was just starting to preach. He just started to preach. And a guy, and a, Christian, a preacher had, was filming it. He had preached. He had, he had gotten a message in. He said about 10 minutes, and the police officer told him basically he had to stop. Then another guy come up, him and his buddy, and the guy had a sign, you know, a Christian sign, of, I think a verse. And he just wanted to stay up and start preaching. And he, he, he got like three or four words, boom, the police officer got him and, and put the cuffs on him. I mean, they were over there, you know, celebrating and shouting and everything about, and they had to write, I'm sure they did. But obviously, we know it's an abomination to God. And the preacher over there, he was just simply trying to preach the gospel, and he got, he got arrested. And then when they put the cuffs on him, all the gay folks over there were just celebrating and laughing and, and cheering. And I thought to myself, how has society changed? People used to honor the preacher. Now, people honor the queer folks. What, what happened to society? It's turned upside down, hasn't it? It's turned upside down. Well, he was being oppressed. And that's, that stuff like that is, is happening. It goes on to say in, in verse 9, 
Don't mess up on me now. Or do I need a... Oh, there we go. Got it. Moreover, the prophet of the earth is for all. The king himself is served by the field. Basically, what he's saying is that he, even the king's in on it. In the, even the king prophets. One commentary basically said, he said, even the king milks the land for its own profit. The king is committed to the harvest of the fields because he gets his royal share. In other words, even the king is not part of the solution. He's part of the problem. Of course, we see that in our country today when you would think that those who are in government would be for the people when actually they're taking from the people. But there's all types of government. Thankfully, we, have, we, still, we still today still have a, a capitalistic government, even though it's sliding towards socialism. And maybe you've forgotten about the different government because there's, you, know, you haven't been in a school. But just give you just a, a two, brief two-minute overview of world governments just to be a reminder, uh, dictatorship and communism, if I can use an illustration of two cows, this is when you own, you own uh, two cows, but you have to give both cows to the government, and, they, and then they give, them, and they, and they give you some milk. Fascism, when you own two cows, you keep them, but have to give all the milk to the government when they sell you back. Nazism, they give you two cows, whoever the government shoots you and takes them both. Socialism is where we're heading. We're almost there. Is when you own two cows, but you have to give one of them to the government and give it to the, somebody else for free. And, of course, capitalism, you own two cows. The government does not interfere so you can, so you can sell one and buy a bull. Amen? Well, that's different governments. But what do you do? What if you do when you're a Christian and you're in a communist country? What if you're a Christian, you're a Chinese Christian, and you're in that, in that situation, you're, you're under the rule of, of that communist country? What do you do? You say, well, you know, this government's bad. Just because the government's bad, do you give up and say, oh, it's bad, I can't, I can't be victorious? No. Even in a bad situation, you trust God. Joseph was in a bad, bad situation in Egypt. Wasn't the best of, best of governments. He was in a dictatorship. So was Daniel. He was in a dictatorship. Nebuchadnezzar was over everything. But even in those situations, what are they true to do? They, tr they chose to trust the highest authority. We have an authority that's over all authorities. Yes, we are obviously to submit ourselves to authority unless we are, they'll go against contrary to what the Bible especially tells us to do. But ultimately, there's a higher authority because we know God is over all authorities. Romans 13:1. let every soul be subject to the higher powers for there's no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, By me kings reign, rulers decree justice, for by me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. When author puts it, God's hands are behind the headlines. God will have his way in the, eat in the end. God is literally guiding history towards the harbor of eternity. So don't be dismayed. Don't panic. Look up. Trust in the highest authority overall and the true and living God. You know, I think is a wise thing to do is when you see something on TV, something bad, or you read something bad, is don't let your mind stay on that. One practice I try to do is in the morning, spend time with God, and then the evening before I go to bed, read something, either the Bible, a devotional, because you don't want all this foolishness, and there's a whole lot of foolishness going on, and it's going to increase. 
if the Bible's true, and it is, it's going to increase. So but you don't want these things in your mind. Try to read something, and there's so many uh, good devotionals, Spurgeon, Oswald Chambers, lots of good devotionals that, you are, that, that, that helps us to, to keep our mind and not, if you watch something crazy and then you go to bed, your mind's going to be thinking about that all night long. So get your mind on that which is right in the morning, especially in the night. So what keeps us up at, at night? The oppression of the poor does that. But secondly, the pursuit of treasure. The pursuit of treasure, and that's what he's talking about primarily in verses 10 and on. He says, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance increase. This is also vanity. No, of course, this is repeated in the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Again, money in and of itself is not evil. And having money is not evil. It's the lust of it. It's the, it's the, it's the desire that, it's, that it, you place it like, like it's an idol above God. That's what God abhors. That's what God is saying. This is not right. Having money, using money, it's just a vehicle. And oh, what a great day is, will be when we don't have to pay anymore. I mean, we're in heaven, not like there's a chip in our arm. Well, hey, the day I don't have to pay another bill, the day I don't have to, you know, click the button and pay my credit card or the, the car bill or the house bill, that's going to be a great day. I'm looking forward to that day. May it come quickly, Lord Jesus, even come tonight. But through the, throughout the scriptures, this word for love, this, the, the, the love is used in the Old Testament. We see it several times in Ruth loving Naomi, Cainai loving his wife Hannah, Abraham loving his son Isaac, Rebekah loving her son Jacob, David the psalmist loving the word of God, believers loving God. Jeremiah uses a verb to accuse people of loving to wander. So it's... it's it's used in a good sense, but when it's used in a sense of loving something that, that could harm us or hurt us if we focus on it, that's when it's used, of course, in a, in a negative sense. So what are some rules about, about money and some truths that we can learn tonight? Well, first of all, you'll never have enough. <laughs> you'll never have enough. Verse 10, he that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver, given the fact that he had so much of it here. Now, having, again, silver is not bad, but loving silver, that's the issue. And Solomon had silver. He imported 25 tons of gold every year. His net worth was estimated at $2.3 trillion. That's 10 times worth or wealthier than Jeff Bezos, Jim, uh, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett Jr. combined. So he had a little bit of money. He had a little, he had a little extra dough. He, he, knew what it, he knew what it meant to be rich. He was probably the richest person that ever walked the earth. So he said, he that loveth silver should not be satisfied with silver. He got to the place where he wasn't satisfied with it. You ever say, well, I'd like to try that sometime. <laughs> Somebody just hold you, hold, give you a cool million as you walk out of the church, say, well, what can I buy you know, for the next 24 hours. See, I'd like, to, I'd like to try to be rich just once. We'd all like to try that. But even if we did, would it satisfy us? If we bought more houses, if we bought more Harleys, if we bought more, more things, if we bought more stuff, would we really be happy with what we purchased? Would we? Well, probably not. 
Secondly, you'll never earn enough. Nor will he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. The word here for wealth refers to possessions, and the word for income refers to annual revenue or assets. Your account will never grow large enough for your lacks and say to yourself, Hell, my bank account is so big, I don't want to worry about it. Everything's fine. Don't have to check it. Don't have to worry about it. Thirdly, you'll never feel safe enough. You never feel safe enough. When goods increase, increase that that eat them, and what good is there, the, the owners thereof, and but they're saving the beholding of them with their eyes. In other words, what advantage is it to see all the money you have slipping through your fingers? The more you have, the more you have to lose. And the more you have, the more you have to worry about people taking your stuff. Who's that relative who suddenly, suddenly showed up asking for help because you now have a house that you bought on the beach? Oh, you hear stories about people who've won the lottery. They're now a millionaire. And almost to a person reading those stories, they almost every one of them say, I wish I'd never done it. They have relatives come out of the woodwork. They don't even know who they are. They're all wanting, for, hey, just, just give me, just give me a, a thousand. Just give me 10,000. After you give them a thousand, after you give them 10,000, you know they're going to come back for more, right? Where did all the friends come from? who want to take you out to lunch. Will the government demand more taxes where you're in a higher tax bracket? Maybe so. Will your investments vanish overnight? Should you protect the money offshore? <laughs> Are your employees going to rip you off? Is the guy pitching an investment plan going to be careful enough? These are all these questions. The more you have, the more you have to manage. When I was in southwest Florida at the church I cannot name, I used to, people would have a house here and a house up in Michigan. And every now and then they'd say, Pastor Marty, would you take, would you go over to my house every once in a while and check on my stuff? Sure, I'll go over and check on your stuff. I'll crank your car. I'll spray the fire ants. I'll kill the cockroaches. I'll flush your toilets. I'll do, I'll do that. Sure, I'll be glad to. Now, hey, if you just have one house, you don't have to worry about calling Pastor Marty because you only have one house. <laughs> to worry about but they got a house here a house there they got to worry about it they had cameras they had security security sometimes they would something would go off and they'd call me hey you got to go over you got to check on something uh, so and so is going to be at my house and they're you know they're going to they're going to clean the pool would you go meet them at such and such a time and such and such a place because they got to be there and clean the pool oh i'm happy to go over there and help you to help somebody get somebody to be there to, to help you take care of your third pool that you have I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> They're stressed out about it. I'm not so stressed out, but I'll show up. The people who have a lot, they have to worry about a whole lot. Fourth, you will never sleep soundly enough. The sleep of the labor man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Notice how Solomon now comes full circle talking about the labor man. The man who labors, he don't have a whole lot, so he doesn't have to worry about a whole lot. All he has to worry about is the stuff right in front of him. So he doesn't have to worry about somebody stealing from him when all he has is what he can see right in front of him. All he has is in his bag, or all he has is in his house. He don't have to worry about somebody messing up his, his, uh, his Airbnb destroying his rental because he doesn't have it. 
He doesn't have to worry about is somebody smoking in his car that he rented out or letting the dogs be in it. Oh, that's always a favorite. So all these extras you have to worry about. You have to worry about. But a person who doesn't have a whole lot, he doesn't have to worry a whole lot. So it all comes around. The labor man who's sometimes oppressed and has to live sometimes and, 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 and just sometimes just scrape by. Oftentimes he's better off than the person who has so many investments and so many different things and so many places. He doesn't even know what he has. What's ultimately the important, the important we're going to leave out of this? Well, first of all, trust the highest authority of all. In other words, place Place your head on the soft pillow of God's sovereignty. It is the softest pillow money can buy. Trusting God that he is in control is better than buying the my pillow. Because you don't have to worry at night. We don't have to fret at night. When you're not up trying to figure, you know, what's happening, you trust God. Trust God. And that's easier, easier preached than lived, but it's the truth. We trust God, even though we don't understand how things are going to work out. And secondly, pursue the best treasure of all, contentment, wherewith God has placed you, giving him thanks for what he has given you. That's what Paul could say, even from prison, that he was, even in that dire situation, he could be content. That's where God wants us to be. Not content with our spiritual life, we should continue, but content where we are in our life as he has placed us. And we're going to talk a lot more about that next Sunday, the importance of contentment. But I read about a preacher as I closed this, 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 this evening. His name was Bud Robinson. He preached for nearly a half century. Didn't have a whole lot of education. Uh, was just raised in a kind of a farming community. He kind of preached from town to town to town. Whenever he was needed, he filled in pulpits and just lived, lived for God and, and tried to serve God. He became an older gentleman, and he got up somehow towards the northeast, and some friends that he knew there took him to New York City because he'd never been to a big city. He'd never been to something like New York City. And they took him. They showed him all the lights. They showed him all the sounds. They showed him everything about him. And he went home tired and worn out, and as he was getting, getting ready to pray, the, the people who was with him, they overheard him pray, Lord, thank you for letting me see all the sights of New York City. But I thank you most of all that I did not see one thing I wanted. I did not see one thing I wanted. And he crawled to bed and went to sleep. What's keeping you from sleeping at night? The oppression, something on, going on in your life, some injustice. Maybe, feel, maybe you feel like you've been wronged. Maybe you're struggling with bitterness. You've asked God for something, and he said no. You've asked God for something, and he said wait. Or you think God's not fair, and it keeps you up at night. Could it be your finances? You buy, if we buy more than we we buy more than we have, and we worry about paying that credit card bill that's now at 22%, and we know we can't pay it. And we're thinking to ourselves, if I die today, what's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my kids? And you're, you're surfing the sheets at night. What's keeping you up at night? Would you trust the sovereign God that he's in control? 
Would you trust the sovereign God that he loves you? And for spiritually speaking, he's provided the greatest gift in his son, Jesus Christ, for you. And ultimately, God's going to take care of all our needs. Because this world is going to pass away. And every, every, gray, every blade of grass and every tree limb is going to be burned up. We're going to go to a perfect place where there is no more bills and there are no more oppressions and there are no more judges who judges wickedly. There's only the righteous judge. We're going to a better place. Look forward to that place. But in the meantime, trust God with all your heart. You may be going through a difficult time. Sometimes the reasons are our own reasons, and sometimes it's just through the difficulties of life. But in those times, though it's difficult, those are the times we can trust God more. And if we will allow him, he will use us for his honor and his glory. A professor at college will say, when tough times come, you have a choice to be better or to get bitter. To get better or to get bitter. And when a difficulty comes, and difficulties will come to everyone in this room, each one of us are going to make that choice. You're going to get better at God, or God's going to use that in your life to make you better. The question is, which one will it be? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness Thank you for your grace. Lord, we know that you love us, you care for us, and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights within who we know there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. We pray, God, that you just help us, Lord, in the, the good, the bad. When we, Paul talked about the fact that he, uh, he went through so many difficult times. He struggled through hardship and suffering and pain. He knew how to be abased, but he knew how to abound. Thank you, God, for examples like him and examples like Daniel and Joseph and Abraham and Moses. Real people who went through trouble and tragedies, but they trusted in you. They had great faith. And because of them, they are examples to us today. Now, Lord, I don't know what's in the heart or in the lives of everybody in front of me. Maybe someone tonight is going through a, a, some deep waters, maybe physically emotionally, financially, spiritually. And you're saying, I need, I need to trust in God. Maybe you're at the edge of bitterness because of a situation. You're struggling with it. Something that don't seem fair. Maybe, maybe it's not you, but maybe someone you're close to. A family member, a loved one, a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, a child who's going through something and you're struggling. You're struggling. You're at the edge of bitterness. Or maybe you're struggling with some financial situation that's keeping you up tonight. Maybe you say, I need, I need to trust in God. I need to believe in God. I know he loves me, but I need to trust him more. Would you pray for me, preacher? I need this tonight. Would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight? Be honest. Anybody like that tonight? Be honest. If you're here tonight you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'd love to talk to you. So you got from the word of God how you can be saved. Let's stand to our feet. If God has spoken to your heart tonight, of course you can make a decision right there in your seat. There's a need you have, but if you'd like to come to this old altar, ask God to help you.